from the seed and literally what we procure in the harvesting through to the ginning and spinning, all through manufacturing, we have a completely certified supply chain to the global organic textile standard, as well as to Fairtrade International. Welcome to the Glam and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Joining me today on the show is Kayla O'Connell, founder and CEO of Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Takara. Yeah, I'm glad we're finally able to, to do this. So for people who are not familiar with yourself and Nikki, tell me more about your background and the brand. Sure. So um, my personal background, I've worked in apparel um, and retail for you know, on number of years and on um, pretty much every facet of the industry from merchandising, design, being a shop girl and even styling. And I sort of had a personal crisis with the industry um, when I was in graduate school around just the detriment to the environment and the, you know, resources allocated and obviously the labor implications. And so I set out in my thesis work to figure out how can I be a positive influence in this industry and participate from a place of positivity for my own personal, you know, moral code, supposedly, so I could sleep at night and basically committed myself to working toward a more sustainable supply chain and really wanted to set out to change the industry from the inside out. Admittedly, after graduating from Parsons, uh, doing my thesis work in sustainable fashion, I had a really hard time landing a job. Everyone sort of directed me to the PR department at every interview. And I really wanted to talk to um, companies that were marrying the product design with this sort of optics that it had been situated in around sustainability and and better business practices. I ended up working for a licensing and branding company and bringing eco-friendly home goods to mass retailers like Bed Bath & Beyond and Macy's and Nordstrom. And so that was really exciting. And I actually cut my teeth in the organic cotton supply chain and learned all about personal care and different hard goods categories as well as soft goods. And we made rugs from recycled plastic bottles. But my original interest and my passion is really in apparel and in the fashion industry. So I, you know, called up a friend of mine from graduate school and after a few years of being with the former company, um, decided to take the plunge into entrepreneurship and start Nikki. And Nikki is an organic cotton underwear company, and we make the best fitting basics for everybody. We currently have a collection of five pairs of undies, a low-rise thong, a low-rise bikini, a mid-rise hipster, and two briefs, one mid-rise and one high-rise. And we're actually launching a bralette collection at the end of May. 
So that's, that's an incredible backstory. So let's dive more into sustainability and your recycling program. Like for people who are not familiar with any part of the recycling program in e-commerce, how does that work? How do you go about sourcing recycled bottles, for example? Like talk me through the whole process of finding the right partners to work with and what that looks like. Yeah. So one of the issues that I really unearthed in my thesis research was the um, issue surrounding textile waste. There is such an amount of textile waste in um, the industry. And because of the rise of fast fashion and sort of the ephemeral qualities that we've adopted as consumers today, you know, I need to have a new blouse for that party, or I took a picture in that dress already. I'm going to have to wear something new to that wedding. I've never um, <laughs> there's a, there's a, yeah, it's a serious issue. You know, there's just a culture around like disposability in clothing, um, which is super problematic. And particularly within intimates, there's no secondary or tertiary markets to sort of slough your clothing off to another person or, you know, a resale market or goodwill when you're done with it. Unlike that dress, you know, you can't resell a pair of underwear like you can a prom or wedding dress. And so there's a huge problem with textile waste. And as a company entering the market, you know, we really wanted to solve for sort of the full holistic life cycle of a garment and really take responsibility for what we're putting out into the world. And so we created the world's first underwear recycling program where literally anybody, you don't have to be a customer, can go onto our website and request a free shipping label to clean out their top drawer of all of the underwear that's been collecting dust because all of us have undies in there that are way too old and definitely expired and send it in. And actually we incentivize you for doing this recycling act by giving you a free pair with your next purchase. That's amazing. So where is it sent to? So it goes to our recycling facility. And then um, we actually pre-sort it and it gets handed off to a shredder that breaks it down into a shoddy, which is basically like a fiber pulp. And it gets remade into insulation for construction or um, like furniture batting or rug pads. Um, So it gets downcycled into something that is useful rather than just going to a landfill and degrading and off-gassing toxic chemicals. Wow. That's incredible. So talk to me about why, I guess you kind of spoke about why you focused on intimates, but um, like what makes the products organic? Yeah. So this is a great question. We wanted to be sustainable from the start, and that applies to every component of our supply chain. So from the seed and literally what we procure in the harvesting, you know, through to the ginning and spinning, all through manufacturing, we have a completely certified supply chain to the global organic textile standard, as well as to Fairtrade International. Not all cotton is created equal. This is a little known fact. Cotton is actually conventional cotton, or as I like to call it, chemical cotton, is an incredibly highly toxic fiber, typically in its form, because it's highly treated with pesticides and synthetic fertilizers. It's highly treated with carcinogens in production, chloride, phthalates, VOCs, things that are known to be cancer-causing. And these are you know, in the dye stuffs or in the finishes. Little known fact, most of our clothing has formaldehyde on it, 
I don't want formaldehyde on my underwear and not near my most intimate parts. Um, (laughs) I don't think anybody needs formaldehyde on their underwear because that's usually something that's used to cure wrinkles. Um, It's a wrinkle resistant finish. Our um, sorry, sorry. I'm curious actually because I've never heard of that before. Is that something that's permanently in the garment? Like even after you wash it, it's still there. Yeah. So these things are persistent. Um, And that's what people don't really grasp is that not only are these chemicals terrible for the processing and the runoff and the people who are producing the clothing, but a lot of the times they are persistent and are ultimately usually what cause people irritation. Like if you get a skin rash or something like that, or vaginal infection or UTI, those things could cause it potentially. I'm not linking causation there, but if I know that something is linked to cancer, I wouldn't want to put it in a product I produce. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to me about how you've communicated this message. Cause obviously this like story is incredible and this is not something we, or most consumers I would think, think about daily in terms of like organic cotton and things of that nature. So what do you think has been the best channel for you to communicate this message to your customers and potential customers? I had been messaging that things are better for the environment. It's better for the environment. But ultimately, people, although we're motivated to do things that are better for the environment because you want to, and it's definitely a feel-good impact, at the end of the day, most people are driven by convenience and cost and emotion. And when we started to unveil the fact that organic cotton is a much better choice for your intimates than its synthetic alternatives, which is over 75% of the market is synthetics because of breathability, because of toxins, because of moisture wicking qualities and durability. We started to really tap into something that was wellness linked and much more of an impactful story that people totally get. And then we sort of worry about the environmental part and that is a huge value add, but we don't burden people with that. Right. And we also make it, you know, direct to consumer. So it's convenient to purchase as well as cost competitive in the market. And so it's instant accessible price point, but certainly I think the, the biggest channel for, um, you know, talking about that is really on our website. We have a robust sort of depiction of our supply chain and all of these elements linked to vaginal health and women's wellness. Um, And considering these these things that have been totally left out of the narrative previously, when, you know, we consider what we eat, we care about what we put in our bodies. We, we care about the skin, you know, the chemicals in our skincare and everyone's moved over to clean makeup these days, but people forget like what you put on your body matters just as much. I think that's a great point. Cause even myself as a consumer, I'm like very big into the clean beauty space and things of that nature, but I've actually never thought about this. So in terms of building awareness, what do you think has been the best help for the business? Is it partnering with the right influencers or, you know, really pushing social or email marketing? What, what have you found to be the most successful? I would say our most, our biggest driver is certainly press. Out of the gate, we were blessed to have our launch story featured by Vogue on, you know, the home landing page. Yeah. And so that um, was really wonderful because it it was a feature story around how we are a sustainable business. Um, And so it just really shed light on our value proposition and our offering and like what we're about. That really set us up for a lot of evergreen 
gain interest, particularly in our recycling program. I would say our recycling program is often a first point of contact for many people to the brand. As a result, it's an incredible acquisition tool for us. That has been huge. Social has been incredible for us. You know, intimates are an intimate subject. And so people really want a safe space to talk about issues of the body and fit issues and and perhaps image perceptions. And so we really like to create a, a safe space for people to feel comfortable to discuss these things that may have previously been deemed taboo or that they didn't really have an outlet or a human to talk through. I have, you know, endometriosis say, or a skin irritation, or I'm postpartum, or, you know, I just had a surgery. And so these are conversations that we have with customers on the daily, both through our, you know, email customer experience, but also, and on chat on the phone. We're like one of the last D2C companies to have a phone number, I feel. Yeah, right. Nobody does anymore. <laughs> yes. And um, how many people call? I'm very curious. We get a lot of phone calls. We get a lot of phone calls. Yeah. I would say we have a very um, large demographic. Like our second biggest demographic is actually women above 55 years old. And so they, you know, prefer to call and talk to somebody on the phone and and like to order things over the phone rather than through the website. They have been, you know, really turning toward natural fibers as a solution for their intimates, um, either for health reasons or just because it's something that they grew up on. They're not used to sort of the spandex thongs that I think a lot of people became synonymous with intimates in the past, you know, couple decades. That's one of our, you know, largest demographics actually. Yeah, that's actually not surprising. I think that's great that you're taking care of all of your customers' needs. Um, yeah, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody sometimes. It's like, it's great to have all this technology, but uh, sometimes those bots just aren't cutting it. So yeah, let's talk about um, new products. Like what does your timeline look like for that? And will you be expanding beyond intimates into any sort of other products? So when we first launched, we had four styles and we listened very closely to our customers and they gave us a lot of feedback, handwritten notes in the mail. Also, we like to say that our our fifth style was designed by our customers. It's the universal mid-rise brief. It fits everybody. It's got a full coverage seat and it hits just right. And it's the softest cotton ever and it doesn't dig in anywhere. So that was a really big launch for us in 2020. And then forthcoming is our bralette collection, which launches um, Memorial Day weekend. And it'll be a core four styles. We have a triangle, we have a keyhole, we have a tank, and we have a scoop that's a pullover. All of them are designed to be incredibly supportive in spite of the fact that they are a bralette. So we're really trying to buck the idea that bralettes aren't an everyday or that they're like a comfy bra. Like we want these to replace the underwires and the silicone cups of your drawers. Yeah, we think that the assortment addresses a coterie of different body types and cup sizes and different places that you might carry weight in the back, adjustable straps, eco-coated hardware, and recycled nylon and poly for stretch. And it's all in our core organic cotton. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So in, in kind of speaking about the lingerie dinosaurs without throwing out any other brands, it's like we've kind of just seen them over the past couple of years just deteriorate. 
And it's like all these like D to C intimate companies are really like on the forefront. So how do you kind of uh, compete with them still as a, as they're, they're slowly dying out, but they're still very present. So what is your thought process in like kind of competing with some of the biggest giants and in intimates? First and foremost, I definitely think that relevance is a huge factor in that non-sexualized depictions of women in media is where we're trying to take the intimates industry because women are, you know, not shopping through the male gaze, which, you know, the Vickies of the world, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so absolutely leading with body positivity, first and foremost, diverse representations of women, body sizes, skin yeah. color, differently yeah. abled bodies different ages as well. So relevance is huge, but what we're really tackling is your everyday underwear. And so we're converting people, you know, who might have been with the Hanes or the Fruit of the Loom or the Aries or the Gaps or the Victoria or, you know, this, this sort of household name. I think we've really, um, we've gotten feedback as well that those people are migrating to shop from us because it's the same fit. It's the same price. It's a better fit actually. And it's so much softer and it's better for them and it's better for the environment. I'm not afraid to throw the names out there. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I was just trying to be uh, respectful of the situation, but yeah, I mean, it's sure. so nice to see like as a female consumer, it's so nice to see ads of people that are, you know, normal for lack of a better word, like sizes. It, it was really getting just too much to have, uh, you know, and obviously all the Victoria's Secret models are gorgeous, nothing negative towards them, but it is really nice to see real women in ads now. And it's just so much more relatable. Um, even though in my mind, <laughs> I look like a Victoria's Secret model, but I don't. So it's just been so nice to see brands like pivot into more real real models, which I love. One thing I noticed on your website, you have so many very, very positive reviews. So obviously there's a lot of engagement in your customers. So is there anything you kind of incentivize your customers with, or are they just so passionate about the brand? Because it's incredible how many reviews you have. Thank you. Yes. I can tell you that they're all opt-in volunteer. Yeah. I think a lot of companies incentivize people to, to write reviews with, you know, $10 off your next purchase or um, a percentage if you do a video or what have you. We don't do that. We're trying to be unobtrusive. Um, and our customers are just really engaged. Um, as I mentioned, we actually get emails that are five paragraph essays on feedback and fit and love letters in the mail. We get handwritten notes from people thanking them for changing their life with our undies and offering the solution to textile waste with our recycling program. And I would say that a lot of the time it's just because people are, you know, we, we try to create a really high touch customer experience that is very human and very real and very positive and safe. And I think that that's just our customers responding back to us with the same realness and human touch and warmth. You've grown so quickly and obviously, you know, you didn't have this like massive team behind you. So what has been the biggest challenge thus far in building the business? Ooh, um, the biggest challenge has definitely been just having enough stock and having enough inventory kind of launching in Vogue was an amazing first dip into a lot of sales traction, but we sold out of our inventory that we expected to last us six months in like six weeks. 
Well, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> exactly. That's what I have kept telling Lauren, um, my co-founder and our COO. I'm like, this is a good problem, but it was so stressful because, you know, then we had people coming to the website and there was no stock and people wanting to buy and, and thousands long wait lists and months long lead times. And since we have a certified sustainable supply chain, because we procure organic cotton, because it's fair trade, our lead times are longer than most. We don't place a purchase order and get it two weeks later. We have a long time ahead and we have to plan into those projections. And when we tripled our sales overnight last year, we weren't prepared for that. So that's certainly a good challenge to have, but has been, I think, the biggest one for us to solve. And we're still catching up, frankly. Yeah, it's a major issue for for many, many brands. Uh, Did COVID impact that even more on a monumental scale or or is it just in general? 100% COVID did. So we were already dealing with that. Yeah. When you first said, what was your biggest challenge? I was like, well, COVID probably, but (laughs) uh, I feel like that's so, you know, uh, typical or expected to say COVID just exacerbated that, which was already the challenge. Yeah. We had factories, you know, close and then reduce capacity. I'm happy to say that we are operating. We actually manufacture in India and they're obviously going through a very difficult time right now with COVID, um, which has been sort of a latent impact actually. So we're still dealing with those challenges um, and disruptions to, you know, purchase orders that we have had, you know, slotted to arrive next month and we're not really sure if they're coming or not. And it's sort of a, a question mark right now. So that is very much still a challenge, but I'm happy to report that our factories are fully vaccinated and um, they have a, they had a program in place to get everybody vaccinated within the company, which is something that we were really happy um, you know, to, to share in um, with our suppliers. So everyone's being safe and things are almost running smoothly. So well, coming along as best we can. Hopefully it will be uh, delivered on time. Is there, is there a specific reason you chose India or is that just who you had the best... India in terms of a manufacturing country, or was that who you had the best relationship with? Yeah. So definitely founded from relationships that I had had um, previously, certainly just with my background in product development, but India is actually the organic cotton capital of the world. They make the most of it and have the largest supply chain for it. And definitely when you commit to certain sustainability standards, you really limit the eligibility of a lot of vendors because, you know, a lot of vendors are not certified to any sustainability standards. Yeah, it was just um, a narrowed field of eligible partners and we wanted to partner with best in class suppliers. So yeah, I love that. Your passion about sustainability is is truly amazing. I feel like I actually learned a lot in uh in listening to you. So it's been very, very eye opening. One last question before we kind of wrap it up. What's kind of your vision for twenty twenty one beyond new products and like what's kind of your number one goal for the year? So definitely making sure that we have we never run out of stock. That's the number one goal. Uh, uh, a big goal for us is actually launching this bralette collection, as I mentioned, and really opening up and diversifying our our product offering there um, because we really want to complete you know the top drawer look. And um, we're also launching a couple other categories, socks specifically, and then 
sense, some lounge that is sort of adjacent to uh, pajamas and robes. I would say our biggest goals other than that are really focusing on internal um, growth and structure. So growing our team, you know, we're, we previously in, you know, at the start of 2020, we were two people and now we're five. Oh, that's great. Thank you. We've like worked with a a coterie of contractors that from launch who have been integral to our team and very much uh, an extension of us. So we didn't do it alone, but it's wonderful to really now that we're in a stride of growth and are seeing really wonderful returns on, on what we've invested both money and our time in is getting, you know, full-time employees and um, expanding on that vision with people who are real stakeholders. So fantastic. I'm, I'm very happy for you. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. So for listeners who aren't familiar with yourself or Nikki, uh, where can I direct them? They can go to Nikki.com and that's K-N-I-C-K-E-Y.com or follow us at Nikki Official on social. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Takara. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show is produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.